Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Today we are back with part two of the Andrew Camphy conversation. If you have not yet listened to part one, please do so before continuing listening to today's episode. So Andrew, um, I, I know we touched on this a bit earlier um, with Instagram, who's trying to hide likes or they trialed it last year with a public hiding of likes. Um, and I know a lot of people you speak to, there was like this big uproar from influencers who was completely devastated because, I mean, how will they sell their influence now? I mean, <laughs> come on. And then even some brands were also in a flat because they're like, how do we measure success? And I think we in the industry know that that's not really a great metric in any case, just looking at um, the number of likes or followers and, and the like. Mm. Um, but historically, obviously, they've been doing that and some still does. What are your views on the issue of hiding public likes? And do you think it will negatively impact the industry at all? Um, so the negative impact is actually probably going to be on, um, and this is just my uh, educated opinion. Sure. I, I think it's actually a, a detriment to the users. I, I know they are, I don't know who said it because Instagram never said it themselves. But they said, somebody said it's for mental health. Yes, I saw but that I'm, article honestly, as well. <laughs> but I, I don't believe that, and I don't think that's a way to fix mental health. There's a lot of other initiatives that are helping people with mental health. And one of the best ones, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, if you go to post a comment that is in some way suicidal, it like prevents you from posting that and asks yeah. you, like, are you having trouble? That's wonderful. Um, yeah, that lifeline kind of reach out. Yeah. Yeah, and I and then I think uh, last year or like two, end of two thousand eighteen was like creators were talking about burnout and 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 creators mm. have an outsized impact on the topics that people talk about. So as yeah. long as we're talking about it, it allows people to to get that off their chest and and uh, and get better. I don't think hiding likes is really for that. I, so. <laughs> Hidden amongst these all, all of these articles, there was one great insightful article that I thought was just perfectly explained why they're hiding likes. And it's it's because Instagram sees the future, because now I forgot his name, but there's a product designer who helped Instagram sort of look at, like, where do they go next, right? If they are yeah. the number one used, like the billion people are using Instagram, but how do they get to the next billion, the next billion, and look at every other app and they realized that the the interface that you see a photo on right the initial mm -hmm. reason you use instagram most people the most people on instagram use instagram to share photos with their friends and family yes yeah so how does instagram a get back to that but also expand usage right and they realized looking at that interface that there's a lot of information that doesn't help you share photos with your friends and family yeah. one of not just one of those things is likes many of those things are is names likes um comments all of those things that are uh, other than the photo um distract you from the thing you're trying to do okay yeah. so what you're saying is they 
Instagram is basically trying to put the social back in social media and create that community that we're all seeking for. And you see it in a lot of the new developments in the apps and things. You're close. You're close. They're trying to put the media back in social media, right? They're, oh. they're trying to get the explore page is fun to use now. Mm-hmm. The explore page used to, used to be when it's just started was terrible. Oh yeah. yeah now they, they know what you like. They know what you not even just click on, but what you um, hover over. What's called? Yes, hover yes. over. Yes, it's very scary, actually. <laughs> you know, Instagram's explore page knows me better than my girlfriend knows. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's scary, and I, but I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But and, do you not- and so it's it's really there. It, it, the hiding likes is the first step to a. You will see a in eighteen months to twenty four months, Instagram itself will be completely different. I mean, we've seen this. Um, what forty percent of users are now using Instagram Stories. Yep. The, yeah. The post, the feed post, is almost secondary. dying. It's secondary. People just go straight to the. Because I think also people like to see that behind the scenes kind of real raw instead of this highly edited image. Yeah. I think it's more about the I, – I, I agree with you, but I also think it's about that interface, right? When you are in stories, it's a full it's, – it's fully – you're fully there. There's no likes. There's no comments. There's no other yeah. things. It's just you. It's a personal one-on-one with that person that you're already connected to in some way. Yeah. True. But do you not think – by hiding the public likes, um, when it comes to influence marketing, you'll see like the real proper kind of um, content creators who does amazing work but doesn't get the billions of likes. Do you not think that'll start rising to the top and brands will start using proper kind of beautiful content for their brands? No, because I think everybody uses influence marketing in different ways, right? And if it was all about content, I mean, follower, and all of these numbers are still accessible by the creators. I think yes. there will be a more, um, we'll lean more on media kits. We're okay. going to lean more on, um, I mean, this is <laughs> funny enough. We know exactly where they're going because they already announced it. The brand, uh, Facebook's brand collab uh, platform. They're just going to push people to that. And that's not the end of influence marketing. Okay. That's just yeah. making it much easier to execute You'll get real information that way. Mm. Um, and we'll get beyond likes, I think. I think uh, it'll be a tapestry of all the stats. I mean, that, that truly is sh- you should look at every single stat um, that comes back, and, and it'll sure. be a less of a, uh, what's a crutch? Or, I don't know what the word is, but we've always leaned on likes. Yes. Brands have treated likes as if they're read receipts. Like, yeah, um, exactly. It's like, no, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's let's quickly talk about uh, influencer fraud. What can brands do to avoid influencers who bought uh, followers? And, and I know we used to think followers that can be bought could just be bots. But in recent times, we know you can buy real followers who are very difficult to detect. So how can they avoid these influencers? And how important is it to use the right influencer technology to filter out the dirt? Um, I wonder if you're, if you're asking me this question because I literally just wrote like a rant about this on LinkedIn. Perhaps. (laughs) Like I, I, uh, so, so for about six months, people were talking about fraud and fraudulent, 
follower yeah. counts and stuff. And I just regaled against it. I was like, I'm never including this in my newsletter. Yeah. Like, this is not helpful. It's not actionable to talk about fraud. I was just like, this is this is this is not this is not the fraud is not the worst thing to happen to influence marketing. This conversation about fraud is because um, it's like <laughs> a distraction. Yeah. But I've come around. Like but I've, people I've come know. around to realizing. <laughs> so I've come, I've come around to like realizing that um, if people are having this conversation, they're probably missing the point of influencer marketing. And, and I hope this isn't confusing. Yeah. But there's a huge difference between influencers and influencer marketing. Yes. Um, influencers is like a term that a if you if you use it in the broadest sense of the term, it's just like someone who has an impact on someone else. Like yeah, exactly, true. which is everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and and your influencers could be right. I think we touched on this before. It could be your brand advocate. Yeah. Is it? You know, an influencer campaign could really consist of consumers who already buy your product that are just have literally the most followers no, exactly. and yeah. so that's the other definition of influencers like someone who has an out a larger than average uh social media following mm -hmm. that's made up of relevant people well if you notice i didn't say the word relevant um and that's because some brands and i can't say who they are because I don't know who they are. I've never, <laughs> seen, like, I've never really seen like a terrible campaign. You know, the the good thing is we don't see terrible campaigns because they don't get the reach they need. Oh, that's um, true. True, true, true. <laughs> or in South Africa, everyone makes a big deal, so people go look at a terrible campaign. Right. <laughs> so here's what I think influencer marketing truly is and, and how if, if you approach influencer marketing in this way, you'll never have fraudulent followers. Like, okay. you'll never right. even care about follower fraud. But if you, and I, and I touched on this before, but like, again, this is sort of the, the way that brands generally go, not generally, the bad way to go is saying, I want to do influencer marketing, so get me some influencers. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. That's a And they must have thing. a million followers. Yeah. Right. What you really want to say is like, where are the people you want it? It's a marketing channel, right? So yeah. same process as marketing. Mm -hmm. Where are the consumers? Mm -hmm. What are they doing now? Mm -hmm. And then who influences them? Correct. Right? It could be as it could be as close to the buying experience as possible, such as are there people doing YouTube reviews of your product versus another product? Mm -hmm. That is almost as close to a buying decision as you can get. Consumer reports. Yes. It's a magazine, but it's also an influencer. Correct. Right? Yeah. They are literally people who read that and determine, I'm going to buy that product. Yeah, so because it comes from a credible, close... trusted source. Yeah, and if you yeah. can get close to that buying decision, then the content that you create should be of the, that format. Um, and you're going to actually look more at share of voice. And I know mm -hmm. this isn't really like a, a term that's used often, but basically you say like, if my consumer is like a 35-year-old man or a 42-year-old woman, like let's say plus or minus five sure. years in each, then like how much of their time is spent on these platforms and how can I, how can I get the most amount of their time? Yeah. Right? Are they... So is it on YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok? Probably not for a 35-year-old man or a 42-year-old woman. <laughs> <Yes>. No. <laughs> yeah. 
here's like a crazy thing. If it's a father or a mother, TikTok's actually probably really good. Hold on. Isn't TikTok for mainly kind of up to like 22, 23 year olds? Like teens actually, like young oh. teens too. And so what happens is if you if you have like a 45 year old or up mother or father, yeah. they're going to be actually participating in a lot of their teenagers' TikToks. Okay. And and remember, it's about going to the buying decision. So say, um, I don't know if this ever happened in South Africa, but there was like a, there's actually a problem with like a bunch of kids' content, you know, convinces the kid to ask their parents for it. Yes, <laughs> we call it like the nagging effect. Like you want to yes. get to the kids so they nag and nag their parents to go get them X, Y, Z. Right. So... Like you can right now, if you have a Gen Z person and and you want to get their parents to buy something, you know, because it's the parents that actually have the purchasing power too. Yeah. Like Gen Z is sort of looked down upon as like a a category to advertise to, just because it doesn't have as the purchasing power that say millennials yes. and, and uh, <laughs> older. Um, but there's a lot of parenting. Um, but I mean, but if you look at parenting, like the parenting segment, you know, you're probably going to go to bloggers because. Yeah, that's what parents. Parents read blogs. That's just what they do. They're sharing um, experiences on Facebook. You're, if you want parents, you're probably going to go on Facebook. If you want, say, a college age today, you want a twenty-year-old to twenty-two-year-old, mm-hmm. and you want to serve them like alcoholic drinks or something. Mm. You're not going to use Facebook for that. No, you're not going to. And also, you're not going to use TikTok. You're going to get banned from that. <laughs> 100%. You're probably going to go probably YouTube, but maybe even like orthogonally different like categories like games. Like yeah. Fortnite even might even be a good thing from like 15 to 22 year olds. Yeah, build an inside bar and get your, your brand in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... That's obviously, we always talk to our clients as well about that, how to kind of choose influencers that's relevant to the message that you want to go to and the target market that you're targeting and obviously seeing where they spend their time. But still, there's those fraudulent guys that keep sneaking up. I just don't want to use those influencers. How do I just prevent that? Right. So, like, I'd say, again, like, you're not looking at just their follower account. You're not. No. I would say don't. And and maybe this is a bad uh, bad example, but I would say don't go on to like a data. Don't do your first discovery on a database, and you click a couple filters. Like you look for people. I want people ten thousand to fifty thousand followers that do parenting. Yeah, that's probably a that's probably a way to find more influencers. But I wouldn't start there. No. And if you can connect, like format. So so um. There's another idea that, like, there's a campaign that's a creative campaign that's very... And if you create enough of a creative campaign Mm. with a good format, the people who fit into that are going to be the best fit for that campaign. True, yeah. And you're not going to necessarily need to look at follower count. Like, you will just for... um, You only use follower count for, like, a final comparison like if you really need to like if two people have similar prices 
similar prices and they have a similar follower count, then go to their engagement rate. But usually if you have that and you really want to use both, use both. Yeah. Expand the budget. No, um, exactly. And maybe this is the answer too, is like, you'll find that fraudulent, if they have a, if they have so much fraud, A, their engagement rate is going to show that. Yeah. So two people that are equally the same amount of followers and a very low engagement rate is fraudulent, but also just a red flag on high engagement rates. Yeah. Um, you can, you can do buy that. A, you can do a very simple look at their comments. Yep. And if you you can't buy authentic comments, no. I, I literally don't know a single. And I know some places where you can buy likes and uh, buy followers, and <laughs> by all by all means, that none of them are authentic. So you can no. it's a sort of you have to pass a smell test. Um, and that's why I think there's a little bit of a. a freaking out or caution around fraud when you're getting into micro and nano influencers yeah. and you're dealing with 300 to 3000 influencers. No, exactly. Yeah. And in that case, you sort of bring it upon yourself that people will be fraudulent. If you are, if, if the metrics you're looking at are just follower account and engagement rate and, and keywords, then you're missing the entire point of influencer yeah. marketing. No, I agree with you. And I think we've touched on this before. Um, ROI, very contentious subject in South Africa, um, because obviously influence marketing hasn't been around as long as it has been in other parts of the world. So we're still trying to figure it out. Um, and obviously we, we do our KPIs and we put our measurements in place so everyone knows what success looks like. But what's your thoughts on where ROI is going to end up at? Or where is it going to morph into so that everyone can kind of chill out and kind of know it's in place? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I mentioned this briefly, but I, yeah. I don't think ROI is a, a single thing either, just like a KPI is. Like you sort yeah. of just should set your KPI and your ROI should match, right? Because it's really return on investment. But a lot of people discount like the creativity that goes into the investment side, yeah. right? Return on investment is two-sided and you can increase your ROI if you decrease your investment. You can also increase your ROI if you increase your return. Um and I think the reason why we we, ha we have contention around ROI may be because we don't, don't really define it very well. Perhaps. I, defi I define our ROI or return on investment as the entire return and the entire investment, meaning every, KP every single metric you can measure from uh, earned media value to um, sales to brand lift um, content, the content itself is a return. That content that is created can be used in a number of different ways. And yeah. the investment also is a number of different things because a brand, if they are creative enough, may, maybe is a wrong way of saying <laughs> it, they can come up with unique experiences that literally cost almost zero budget or very little budget but are yeah. a unique experience. Yeah. But that's a heavy, heavy, like experiential stuff. It's very hard on time yes. and effort. Mm. Um, Formula E has done this really well. I, I almost worked with them because they had done, um, they took a gamer, a yeah. big a Twitch gamer, and they had him drive a Formula E car. Okay. okay. And, and it was in Britain. And then um, they were going to try to do the same thing in America. Um, 
And I was like, yeah, do that. It worked. They were like, yeah, we loved it. We, we, all we did is give this guy literally a car to drive for a half hour, and that's it. They didn't – I think they ended up paying him a little bit, but it was like – it was a creator who was like he should have charged 10 times more, but he's like, oh, my God, I get to drive a Formula E car? I'm in. Whatever price you want. All right. And again, that comes back to knowing those trigger points of who actually is interested in your kind of brand industry, I suppose, and giving them kind of what they want. Or what they don't even know they wanted. Um, true. <laughs> true, 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 true. Very true, yeah. Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and the team are experts in the field. And they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And's contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. I hate, I hate bringing it up because it's a too good of an example. But um, there's a couple of creators that do fantastically funny... Um, funny integrations where the brand is sort of already a little um, open to interpretations, Okay. let's say. So um, do you know David Dobrik? No. Um, he, he's a YouTuber. He used to be a Viner. He was Liza okay. Koshy's boyfriend. Okay. Well, you know Liza Koshy. Um, well, he did... <laughs> he, he's done... A, SeatGeek uh, integration, and they had they had a they gave them an ad read, and they're like, "Hey, just read this ad in your video." Okay. But like, other than that, that's it. That like, just read this ad in a video. Because I know he would turn it into something yeah. that his followers would obviously love. Right, and what he did was on on the return drive from being at the dentist, yeah. he, he read it. <laughs> Still full of Novocaine, I'm assuming. <laughs> Right, and so, you know, that's a special thing that, like, a brand will just, like, allow that, right? Yeah. yeah. No real, a brand who doesn't really understand influencers would be like, this is awful. But what yeah. happened was followers of his and fans of his started, every time they left the dentist, they would read the exact same ad. You see, <laughs> so then it became a meme type thing where yeah. everyone kept on doing it. Yeah. Um, so in our neck of the woods, we are increasingly seeing... Uh, brands lean onto nano influencers not sure uh, how things are shaping up on your end um, and we're seeing quite a exponential growth in that space um, why do you think there's that suddenly burst of energy in this in this regard um i hope this doesn't sound too negative but it's all about the engagement right like it's it was like a math problem right like yeah the math as as follower or sorry engagement rate goes down people are like looking for higher engagement rate and yeah. you know if you asked me this question two years ago i would be like this is awful these are 
this is terrible. You're not <laughs> going to get the same impact yeah. from nano influencers as you are like a, a good creator. Um, the professionalism just isn't there. Um, again, this, this is if you asked me two years ago. <laughs> um, the, there's just no professionalism. These are creators that are doing campaigns for the first time. Yeah. Most of the campaigns are free product where you're going to have just a lot of wasted time and effort where you're mailing stuff to people and then they just either don't get it don't yeah. do a video, don't do a, a post about it. Or if they do it, they just don't have the chops to make a good integration. <laughs> like, again, the best, the, the ideal integration is when a creator and a brand come together and create something unique. But don't you exactly. think either could do well. there's something about that authenticity of a nano influencer who's not a professional at this and not so glossy? There's some credibility in that. Right, there's just, as, as there is like credibility in, Tupperware parties, right? That's, oh, <laughs> that's it. That's nano influencers, really. Like, like we're talking about sort of on the precipice of brand ambassadors, and and Pretty that much, is a yeah. fantastic strategy. So you ask me now, what about nano influencers? And I think ambassador programs yeah. and anything you can do to engage customers who have an outsized or above average uh, follower count is fantastic. But watch out because like you're A, going to get just a lot of crap, <laughs> um, more higher percentage than normal, um, unless you have like a good agency that understands like how to create a good brief, how to create a good program. Like, yeah, those programs you've brought it in nicely. So that's exactly yeah. what we're going to say. So where we see the nano influencer marketing growing is within those specialized agencies who obviously go out and find the perfect fit of which is generally brand fans already and bring them into the campaign, developing proper briefs, hold yeah. their hands throughout the entire process. Um, and they also get training on kind of do's and don'ts and all of that jazz. And then we see absolutely fantastic things coming out. Right. And, and what you can do then is like cherry pick, right? You can say, yes. Okay, we, we've sent product to 300 people, 200 of them posted on Instagram. Out of that, about two did a good job. That's probably gonna be your numbers. Like, those are real numbers, <laughs> I'm like, estimating. And those two, but those two people, A, something very new that I've been discovering is whitelisting or dark posts, where yeah. you can take even someone with only 1,000 or even 8,000 followers and pay for that content to be in front of a million. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's false advertising. I don't think that's um, against any rules. I think that's a great application of nano influencers, as creators, as content creators. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but also, it takes a very specialized agency yeah. that can have the creative chops to take that content and yeah. maybe reform it. Um, literally, I just was on the phone last week with someone in New York that literally 100% of their job is to do actually small men. So they do nano influencer campaigns without the mass. They yep. only get like 10 to 12 creators. Um, and then the all the only thing they do is dark posts. So they don't even run a normal campaign. Oh, wow. Okay. And what they'll do is they get the content on Instagram. It actually is created there. Then they'll take it and re-edit mm. it as an ad. Yeah. So really all they're doing is they're a creative ad agency that they're using instead of taking this content and going to a media agency, which is the old type of advertising, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Creative agency and a media agency that there were different things. Now this person's like, oh, 
We go to these creators, have them make the content. We bring it back in-house, creatively edit it into a commercial, yep. and push it out. It's like That's a great use of influencers, and, and that's also the way that influencers have been used for a long time. Yeah. You yeah. see a lot of influencers in commercials now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's doing that whole 360 where you use them in your campaign, you use them in your ad campaigns, and it's just kind of that that golden thread that just goes through your entire campaign from start to finish. Yeah. And that's what I was saying earlier. It was like, I think it's great that influencers and influencer marketing is becoming more pervasive. Yes. There's more flavors of it. And that means there's more opportunities for all kinds of marginalized people. Um, there's agencies that specialize in like uh, very specific uh, types of campaigns. Literally, I think there's two gay travel influencer agencies. There's an influencer agency called Black Girl Digital. I wonder what, what? they do. That's amazing. <laughs> we just showed that like, there's obviously a niche for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and there's more to be come. Like, I think uh, last count, about 18 months ago, someone else did a count of uh, about 700 to 900 platforms or agencies. Mm -hmm. I'd say then I, I'm, I'm going to be doing another study this year on the number of platforms and agencies and i would say well north of a thousand worldwide yeah um, absolutely they are springing up all yeah. the time and the people who are doing influencer marketing are not just influencer agencies right influencer agencies are sort of a a, a niche amongst agencies there's yes. pr agencies digital marketing agencies yep. um creative agencies that are all now incorporating influencers and influencer marketing Correct. into yeah. their um spectrum but Unfortunately, ninety. This is a terrible thing to say, but like ninety percent of influencer marketing sucks. Um, yeah, we see it all the time. People are starting. To <laughs> yeah. So, so and then I get asked a lot what influencer marketing is all about, especially by your new clients or people that are considering um, the space. And and our most stripped down responses is always that it's. Word of mouth on wings, exactly. word of mouth and taken online and uh, at scale. What would be your opinion on that statement? Yeah, I mean, I, I would add to it because I think please add there's so away many flavors. Yeah. There's, unfortunately, there's so many flavors, and I I could yeah I should, probably should list them all out now because there are so many ways to incorporate influencers into advertising and marketing. Because advertising <laughs> and marketing are two different things too. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's so many creative and great marketing campaigns that you wouldn't think are, are marketing. Is you, you wouldn't think of it as marketing. And A, it's not advertising. It's not paid for advertising. For instance, do you – I don't exactly know how many articles you read of, of my newsletter, but I included one of the most – one of the furthest out, like, first examples of influencer marketing. Did you ever do – you, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that – with cigarettes? There was one with the cigarettes, and then I read another article. There was one with, I think, brandy and, and a teacup set as well. So I never know which was the first kind of original kind of income. But I, so I love this story, and I hope I can recall it. Yeah. And I hope this is the same cigarette one. Maybe if, if you have a different one, I would love to hear it. And I, I don't <laughs> know about the teacup one. You should tell me that one. Ah, I will. But um, cigarettes was, it was a marketing manager for... It was like a creative agency. This is, I think it was in the 80s. Um, they were selling Camel cigarettes. Yeah. And the guy realized in New York, 
every single bartender would give away free cigarettes to their patrons, to bar, bar patrons. Okay. And so what he did is he bought camel cigarettes for every single bartender in New York City. Smart. Okay. And think of that. That's like putting, that's literally putting your product into the yeah. mouth of consumers. Right? That's great yeah. sampling. And it worked. That campaign, you, and, but you would never see it. There's no metrics, right? You, you can only see the number of sales of camel, right? And it's a part sure. of a whole marketing mix. Yeah. So it goes sort of under the radar because you're like, well, it didn't use any social media influencers. It didn't, mm-hmm. there was no trackable links. There was no, um, was there brand lift? It's like, well, they had more sales than they had before. Yeah. More people knew about camel cigarettes and wanted it than before. Exactly. Um, that's then, a success. And then you start thinking, but what did we do differently? Wait a minute. <laughs> you know? Right. I think, But I think the, the best thing about influencer marketing is is that it's grown from just that idea of like this this underground way to get people to – like it, it's now part of experiential marketing because yeah. now you create – create experiences like you you can sponsor Coachella plus you can get influence, social media influencers to go to Coachella and with your brand and showcase your brand's logo like yeah. influencer marketing now is pervasive right in in all of marketing already yeah we just need to keep defining it and keep expanding the idea of influencers and influencer marketing and this industry grows naturally 20% year over year, actually 30, 38% year over year no, exactly. um, for the next three years. It's fantastic. So um, we're coming kind of to the end of our interview with you and our little chat with you rather. Um, and I would love for you to give our listeners your top three tips if they want to run a successful influencer marketing campaign. Yeah, I think um, the top three tips at least from our conversation, I don't want to bring in any. <laughs> no, whatever you think would be the top three tips that you would give um, anyone who asks you the question. I mean, ideally define your KPI, like really hone it down. Yeah. Just like state it <laughs> explicitly. No, exactly. Know what success looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, know what success, maybe that is a two parter and maybe that's two separate things. Know what success looks like and know how to measure it. Sure. Um, that's maybe that's two things. Um, and maybe maybe the uh, third thing should be have fun with it. Like, oh, I love that. No one ever says that. Yeah. Oh, really? That's a first. <laughs> I mean, it should be fun. I mean, yeah, it's like sometimes there's some really, really dark things we have to like get across, right? Like suicide yeah. prevention hotlines. Like you're not going to have fun. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't. You know, to this day, there are some like categories that I'm sure influencer marketing can help with. But God, I cannot come with up with a good campaign. Like, like funeral homes probably oh, shouldn't be advertising very much. No. They should probably stick to SEO. I, I 100% <laughs> agree with that. Except, except the the my favorite funeral. I don't know if this matters at all. Maybe you should edit this out. But my favorite, <laughs> my favorite funeral parlor has a mini golf course in its basement. Hold on, you have a favorite funeral parlor. Let's start there. Uh, how do you get to that? <laughs> it's, in, it's on the outskirts of Chicago, like in a Chicago suburb. Okay. All right. In the basement, next to where they store literally the coffins, they have like extra space in the basement, and the guy who runs the funeral parlor made a mini golf course. How okay. random. 
it's free. You can go and play it. You just can't play during a funeral. So well, you have to go go get a slot and then check the day the day of in the morning. Ask, hey, is there a funeral today? If there is, you, it's your 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 set is canceled. But if there's no funeral, you can go play. Do a lot of people yeah. go and play? No. Okay. okay. I thought it's maybe like a thing. It's like a Chicago thing. If you go, you have. To, it's like on your list of have to do's. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my list of <laughs> have you not done it before I, oh it's it's fantastic I love it the guy's super nice okay. um, it's really funny and weird and scary not scary in like yeah, it's a bit weird it's spooky. right it's spooky, yeah very weird it's dark what is it what is it called I want to go look it up yeah oh god I, I just I'm gonna <laughs> type it in because I just forgot the name of it myself that's interesting that is very interesting I can just imagine this guy had this extra space and he was a bit bored and he's like, what yeah. can we do with this space? And I'm kind of lonely. Maybe people can come and keep me company and voila. And yeah, so off. it's a great story, actually. Yeah. So it's Algram, it's Algram Family Funeral Services. Okay. Um, there's pictures online of the golf mini golf course. Great story. So back like 50 or something years ago, in 1964, I guess the story goes, um, Across the street, they, the 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 funeral parlor also owned this like lot of land across the street. And during the winter in Chicago, it would freeze over, and kids would play hockey on it. Okay. The funeral parlor agreed that yes, kids can play hockey on it, but not during funerals. Okay. All right. And so when they got like this new building, they realized like where they store these coffins, they don't they have a lot of room. So for they did made this indoor like play area and it's like has it has like um a shuffle thing court uh, okay. a shuffleboard thing yeah um pinball machines and a mini golf course i think it's wonderful it's one way it's to get fun. people into your business exactly <laughs> yeah and uh finally where can our listeners find you because i'm sure there's still quite a lot of uh, world of information and experiences that you would want to share. So where can they find you? Online yeah. and everywhere in between. Email. The the best place to contact me and just get anything from me. Uh, like 90% of the things I do, I, I give away for free. Newsletters free, influenceweekly.co. Everyone right. should sign up to that. We are all are in this office. Yeah. Oh, We're obviously... No R, it's not influencer. No, just influence. No. Influence, influence weekly. Yeah, yes. we'll include all of this in our show notes as well for oh, cool. posterity. Yeah, and yeah, anyone can, and, and everyone does, or not everyone can. Anyone does uh, email me back, so they reply to the newsletter every week. All right, and sure. I get into conversations with with readers. I I try to jump on a call one or two times a week with yeah. readers. Okay. Yeah. Um, the entire ecosystem reads the newsletter, so more than happy if it's a brand a marketer an agency even um influencers themselves or talent managers or even people who are just interested in this kind of thing yeah. it's i'm i don't talk down I, I, to anyone like i think everyone sort of knows a lot of uh words but <laughs> i try to also share stats and data so yeah. i'm not going to use sort of like um a lot of times I'll use like EMV or earn media value and expect, you know, you can Google that if you don't know it. Um, sure. yeah. 
and sh- yeah, I share a lot of stuff on that newsletter and links yeah. to all sorts of stuff I'm doing. So I put together a lot of um, curated documents. Yeah. So like I have like 42 stats that prove influencer marketing works. If people are looking for um, pitch deck material, okay. um, I share reports that just you know help us do our job better. Awesome. Um, like Mary Meeker's Internet Trends every year I share, and it's like 300-page document oh, or wow. PowerPoint. Um, but it has so many good data points in there to help, like, yeah. look at what is the products we should be, like, looking at, categories, and what is what are people using? Like, I've heard of apps. She she shared some apps that are, like, growing massively that I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. I, need to, I need to know about that. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, and, you never and, know which which uh, platform. You know, we we talked a lot about Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah. But there's other platforms like Reddit, um, Massive, even yeah. chat apps, WeChat, uh, WhatsApp, um, Discord, Telegram. Yeah. There's so many apps that consumers and users use um, for different things. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and and for better than great influencer marketing strategy, where do they get hold of you? Are you flatter me? I'm trying. Thank you. <laughs> um, we are on Twitter and we are on LinkedIn at Influential SA without mm. the I because we're cool like that. And um, like Andrew, we're trying to be like you. We have a newsletter, but it's not as big as yours yet. <laughs> yet, yeah. Um, so please sign up to that and we'll put everything in the show notes for you guys. Yeah. And uh, we are Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing on Facebook. Let's keep that conversation rolling. Uh, it's going to be a better year. And uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy your little holiday. Thank you so much, so much for joining us. Now, Andrew, this was an absolute treat. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Frank. Only our pleasure. Yeah. And to our listeners at home, in your cars, at the gym, at the restaurant, wherever you're catching us from, um, until next time, we love you, but we have to leave you. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, guys.